counted among the outlaws. He said, come, follow me. People from all walks of life since have been becoming outlaws. Today's topic should hit home for everyone. We've all at times felt overwhelmed by the struggles and the pain in living our lives. Then we see the pain in our own communities and even the chaos out in the suffering in the, in the wider world. We may think, how can I do anything to be a positive force with such large problems out there? When I'm overwhelmed with my own large problems, how could I love others when I actually need love myself? And I'm struggling to keep my own head above emotional and spiritual water. Well, there's a soon-to-be-released book to give us insights and hope into how to move forward in the right direction and have a life of impact to those around us and beyond. The book is titled, Why Everything That Doesn't Seem to Matter Matters So Much, The Way of Love in a Hurt World. The authors are Andy Ashworth, who also wrote Real Love for Real Life, The Art and Work of Caring, and is also the co-founder of The Art House in Nashville. The other author is Charlie Peacock, recording artist, producer, composer, and four-time Grammy winner. Welcome to you both. Hey, thank you for having us. Yes. If you don't mind, Charlie, I want to show you a couple pictures you've never seen before. Okay. This would have been, uh, this isn't like, this is your life. And for those right. listening, I'll right. make it quick. Who can't, who can't see? They're just listening. But sure. this would have been <laughs> about 1990, maybe. Yeah. And there you are. That's on the left is Charlie at a sound check for a concert. And okay. there he is performing. I snapped those. Uh, I was emceeing that concert, I think. Okay, great. And then here on the left is the same sound check. You were touring with Margaret Becker. There she right. is. Yeah. There's the three of us, Jimmy A. I love it. I love you. It. And then whatever I'm wearing right there, I don't right. know. I did notice that mom pants and tucked in shirts looks like. <laughs> yeah. It, the last picture, the reason I have a picture of me and Rich Mullins is because he's wearing a Charlie Peacock tour t-shirt. That's amazing. <laughs> and he will wore you, that the entire show. Will you uh, send me these photos? I would love <laughs> to have them. I sure will. I could probably make them a little nicer. I just snapped No, you them. don't need to do that. Just okay. send me the raw photos. Yeah, yeah, I would love to have those. Those are great. <laughs> those are fun. Thank you they for that fun. trip down memory lane. Yeah. Now, I noticed after uh, reading some of your bio stuff that <laughs> you guys have been amazingly married almost 50 years. And in these pictures, you're wearing a wedding ring. Mm -hmm. And as young as you look... You were already a seasoned husband at this That's point. That's right. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I had already been married for, uh, well, when I was 33, I had already, at that time, I think I was 33. I had been married for 15 years. So. Wow. In either of your minds back then, if you could place your mind back in 1990-ish, that was 1991. Yeah. Your views of what mattered to you, your views of Christianity, what you wanted to do in it, your role in the kingdom, your role in marriage, whatever, your view of life, your worldview. Mm -hmm. How has that altered from then till now, do you think? 
I think we were in a transition stage then, I would say, because we had come from California where we were involved with the non-denominational uh, church um, and moved to Nashville where we sort of went from being in the midst of this kind of Californian, you know, post-Jesus movement, non-denominational fellowship to uh, Presbyterianism. And that was sort of our first um, kind of tipping our toe into real, from a theological position, more reformed space. Um, but prior to that, I would say that we came, uh, you know, to the Mid-South from California, like I say, in transition, because we were already on to the idea that everything mattered, that there were no small people or no small places or things. And um, I think what was going to happen, though, when we landed here was that that was really going to start to get fleshed out. And that those were going to be the, the big years, that that whole next decade from, say, 1989 to 99 was going to be the years that we both really, really applied ourselves to that idea, studied and uh, took seminary classes and, and just became voracious readers on the subject and had many mentors and teachers. Would you agree? That that I was would kinda... agree. Yeah. And I think in those years, as Charlie said, the, it, all of those ideas that we had some really good teachers in the beginning of our life in Christ. We came on to Edith and Francis Schaefer pretty early on and their work at Labrie uh, in, Switzerland. in Switzerland then and now with branches all over the world. <clears throat> and um, But when we came to Nashville, which was 89 and then by 90, 91, we were beginning to do, well, lots of different things, but uh, beginning to host a lot of people. We bought an old church and we moved our family in and we began to have a gathering place where people came to uh, just to be in one-on-one -on -one conversation, to be in gatherings with other teachers or authors or theologians or artists. And so we began to uh, just deepen, I think, our understanding of what it means to actually serve people in these really big ways of sending music out into the world, but also these very daily, small ways of feeding people and caring for them and cleaning up behind them and before them and raising our family and uh, writing learning to write, following our love of writing and studying and all of those things were kind of developing in those years. So is everything matters come from a theological ground point? Yeah, I, would say so. I mean, I'd say it's really rooted in, in the Christ calling. Um, even the, the whole idea of, um, you know, the scripture calling Jesus the agency of creation. Um, so your, your teacher, of which you are a disciple, the one you're following Jesus, um, in a sense, you know, if we speak in human terms, has his, 
his mind, you know, wrapped around everything that exists, right? And um, and then we have the whole testimony of of the the creation story, right? The idea that that something is made, and then there's a profession given about what is made. It's called good. And um, and so when we pointed ourselves in the direction of Christ and and started following him, that meant we were following him into this huge story that included everything. It included things that you and I might think are nonsense or worthless or you know, it might be a blobfish in, in, in the, you know, at a thousand feet in the ocean. And we're trying to figure out what possible purpose does this thing have, right? Well, many in the church function that way. You know, forget all the esoterica. I mean, there's things like I've lived through 40 years now of people asking, you know, what is Christian about this lyric, um, for example, and so I may be singing about um, the fact that I really like um, a mountain stream, right? And have a Christian say, well, that's great, but when are you going to start making Christian music? So it's that idea that like, well, okay, maybe we have a different idea about what it means to be a Christian here. Because for me, it means that everything matters. There's no stray molecule that Jesus uh, is Lord over all. He's Lord over you and I and Lord over all the stuff. And he has put us in a stewardship uh, role to care for all that he loves. And, and so that means, I mean, that's a massive gig. It's a huge, huge gig that takes all the people in the world to accomplish that gig. Uh, but it does matter to him. There, like I said, there are no small people and no small places or things. And I think for us, we've been for ourselves trying to answer that question. Why bother? You know, why bother um, sorting your trash and recycling? Uh, why bother making a person a birthday card instead of purchasing it at Walgreens? Why bother? Right. Well, we think we bother because it's a part of what it means to be not only human, but a new way to be human that is found in Christ. And that is to take all of these things seriously and to pour ourselves into demonstrating what love looks like in a really tangible way. So it's like, what does love of the planet look like? What does love of the neighbor look like? What does love between the two of us look like? And we're just keep, we just continually ask those questions about every aspect of our life and then pray for wisdom uh, to execute a form of proximate faithfulness. Yeah. See if I can, if I got this right. Going back to you talking about having Christian lyrics or not, you know, I think of the term that used to be used, uh, the sacred and the secular. And then I forget the name of the fish you mentioned, but let's say that fish out there, Mm-hmm. discovered or undiscovered is living God's purpose. It was created and it's just being that fish. Yeah. In that as humans or believers to live day to day as God's creation keeps us in the sacred. It We don't have to be called to a specific ministry with the name Jesus on our lips all the time. It's the life we live 
and we allow him to live, move in our being. And there really doesn't become a, a divide in the secular, the sacred. You're just living out. So your lyrics are, you could love somebody and you write about it and you express it. It's just as sacred mm -hmm. as if you sing about a resurrection. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And what you've, what you've just dialed in on is the, the difference between Christianity as a brand um, that is always been made, being made contemporary for the, the current generation and the idea of following Christ everywhere and in everything, uh, which is massive, <clears throat> right? It's multi-generational. Yeah. It's, um, it involves the entire world, uh, all people groups. Um, it's, it can't be branded. It's too big. You know, so the kingdom way that, that Jesus initiated is this really massive, big cosmic thing that it just resists all these tiny niche thinking and brand thinking. Uh, but we live in a time when this is the way people respond to the world, don't they? They want everything reduced down to the smallest uh, common denominators. And that just doesn't work. I mean, we can, we can say, yeah, our common denominator is Jesus, but then out from Jesus just goes into just this massive cosmic story, right? And, um, and so we do find ourselves at odds often with people who we're brothers and sisters with in Christ who are always practicing reductionism. They're always trying to reduce something down to the smallest Thing that we can say it's this or here's the list of 10 things that you do and now you're a Christian or if you say these things in this way I'll know you're a Christian uh, and you know again having been involved um, in and out with uh, uh, Christian music in particular over the years um, I've just I've just been a witness to that so much how this, this good thing, the idea that you want to make music for a particular people group and their needs, all of a sudden it, it becomes this thing where, where people start to define that as music. And it's like, no, no, no. No, that's just us seeing you and loving you and wanting to make something for you. And maybe it's something that you take back to your churches. Maybe it becomes part of your musical worship. That's all good and fine. But don't in any way think that this idea of Christian music or contemporary Christian music or worship music or modern worship, whatever anybody's calling it today, somehow symbolizes all that Jesus is doing through music on the planet. Because it's just one tiny little drop <clears throat> in the glass. Right. Andy, how would you describe the... What is the mundane that matters? How mundane are we talking about? And why does, why does our day-to-day -day life matter? It's a perfect question yeah. for Andy. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I, I think that, uh, well, first, first of all, I'll tell you why I know this. I've been keeping journals, sort of uh, more diary journals, the kind that uh, record life, but also reflect. So since 1984, and all, all I have to do really is look back through the years on uh, 
you know, each week that has passed and I see details that I've written down about that week, that month, that year, the people who came through our life, uh, the years of, of our children, of our grandchildren, of meals cooked, and um, just so many details. And I realize, and it's always really helpful to me because it helps me realize that it there is no small part in all of that. Um, it's part, so uh, I have a chapter in this book and it's called, yeah, why no part is too small to matter to those who need reminding of the greatness of small things. So it really takes, nobody escapes the daily and the ordinary and the taking the garbage out and um, doing the dishes and doing the laundry as well as the things that might be more glorious and uh, bigger and maybe have a title to it. But all of those things are a part of what it means to be human, what it means to care for each other, what it means to care for a place, what it means to actually uh, enable life to continue on. You know, going to the grocery store, bringing home food, preparing it for others so that they can continue to live or to offer it to others that uh, outside of your household. So over the years, I just really had to reckon with that for my own self, especially with because we have had a big life of hospitality and caring for others through our home. I really had to kind of wrestle with that. Does all this matter? You know, and and I think it really does. And I I just think it's that's one of the ways that we have uh, that Jesus has given us is to feed hungry people and welcome strangers and care for the sick and all of those kinds of things. They're done in our actual lives, the lives that we're given lives that we live in a particular place neighborhood city you know they're not they're not done in general they're done in specific and so all, we all have whatever uh, might be a larger title that we have we have a thousand small tasks that take up space underneath that yeah, we've even so. started stop or we've even stopped using the word mundane too uh -huh. because hmm. It's like, you know, we could have, uh, say, a task that we're doing that we dislike very much, but we see that it's integrated into the whole, you know, so we can hold an opinion and go like, ah, I don't like doing that, you know, but at the same time, we can appreciate, oh, but this needs to get done because it's a part of this bigger whole. Yeah. And, and so there's a thousand of those things. And sure, maybe we have some hierarchy of things that we really love to do. I mean, every human being does, um, but we have stopped, yeah, sort of, you know, saying those aren't good things uh, just because we dislike them. We, we see them, oh, it's integrated, and that's important. Yeah. Right. Those earlier pictures I showed you, I was about, um, I don't know, 20 years old, and I saw my place in the kingdom at the time as getting involved in media Christian music had been impactful in my life, so I'm going to help promote people like Rich Mullins and Charlie Peacock. 
on radio or whatever so that they can get their message to the world. Yeah. Yeah. And later in life, I end up with, um, well, kids, special needs daughter. I had to work two jobs, go back to grad school. All of that other got canceled. And for a brief time, I thought, you know what? I'm not doing what God called me to do. But in that midst of the day-to-day life forces you into, began to realize this isn't any different. Like, this is the calling for my time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's good. Yes. For kids, for family, or even purposes you can't see. If you can resign yourself, well, resign is probably the, a negative way to look, but come to the realization that it's not, it doesn't have to be masses or waving a Jesus banner. It could be the day-to-day life and you're still moving the kingdom forward. And I think that's what, I think that's what the general idea of your, your book is. Yes, absolutely. And, and if I'm on the right track, if, if you could expand on, um, on a life, the kind of story your life lives, you guys alluded to that. Cause I think of, you know, spread the gospel and it's a certain evangelical message we bring, but what can our life in general, Charlie's been on stage and, um, I don't remember it's called Be in the Light or the Light, but that one of your original songs still lives rent free in my head. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so you can sing those great songs and they're very scriptural. Uh, but at the same time, you have a normal day to day life. And like you mentioned, grandkids and kids. So the totality of your life, mm-hmm. right. do you see one as more of ministry or the other, or do you see it as one tapestry? Yes, tapestry is a great way to say it. I love that. Definitely see it like that. I we we definitely understand life in terms of, um, as you say, all that God calls us to, which is which is quite. It's that's quite large. It's our relationships. It's our, the way our gifts and talents are used. The way that we. Um, it's we're called to neighborhoods. We're called to family making. We're called to friendships. We're called to, uh, you know, again, we we have concerns. We have interests. We have things that compel us forward. Um, I've been a writer since I was a little girl, but I didn't have any big notions of wanting to be a published writer. It's just part of who I was from from my youngest age but as an adult when I at one point when I was in my 40s I looked back and I saw well I've always been this person it's just it's what matters to me it's what I need to it's almost like oxygen I need books I need to write in some form or fashion and but all the steps along the way I, you know, and even just to even to write a book, to write anything, you labor over words and sentences one little bit at a time. Um, you know, you're a you're a parent or you're a grandparent to your specific people. Uh, it's just so very specific, and I love to think of it as our given lives. What are the lives God has given us, and you know, so the whole is the place that matters that we live out our callings to him 
and our love of him and our love of other people. Uh, yeah. The loves that he's put inside of us. I love to garden. It's something that I always, you know, if I only had a little uh, couple of pots and no, no nowhere else to plant, I would need to plant some flowers in those pots. But it, it's, you know, the things that, that drive us, that that we care about and again the people we care about all those all those things that's how we find our lives in the places that we we are are and are planted yeah i think part of the, the imaginative creative life is two things uh, negatively you could say that it is the goal is to rid oneself of hypocrisy and and then the, on the positive side, it would be to to really embody all that it means to be a disciple of Jesus. To like like I had mentioned earlier, to really get inside that story and and live it out day to day. And um, the reason why I, I mentioned the hypocrisy part because this is one of the problems with the um, evangelistic language if we put all the emphasis on that is that we can go out and quote Bible scriptures to our neighbors. But if we live in ways that are contrary to, to what that's actually teaching, um, then it's very confusing to the world. Uh, it's very confusing. Like even imagine during times when there's been believers who because of their eschatology thought, okay, Jesus is coming back, um, you know, tomorrow. Yet in their real day-to-day -day lives, they were still concerned with daily living. They were still concerned with determining whether they were going to go to college or not, all of these different things. So I think it's, it's part of our work is to eliminate those confusing elements in our lives and to live in such a way that it really feels congruent with what it is we're, we're proclaiming about reality through the, through the scripture and through what it means to follow Jesus. And that's just a lifetime work. I mean, we, we definitely suffer in embarrassment from things that we did when we were young Christians. Um, what we, the way we lived out the Christian life, the way we portrayed it to others. And I think just incrementally over the last 40 plus years, we hope that we've been, you know, making adjustments along the way, that that's that part of maturing in Christ and, and what, what Christians would call sanctification and the Holy Spirit working in you to, to bring to you wisdom and knowledge that you perhaps did not have at the jump. Is that what you refer to as a theology of artistry? what you just kind of encapsulized there. Yeah, but I would I would I would be really careful with um, the artistry part, making sure that the listener knows that we're talking about the artful life for every Christian and not not the, the idea of vocational artists. Yeah. Um, whereas this is why if I use words like story or art, I'm always they always have a um, multiple application right i may be talking about sure me and my musician friends you know we're making some music and and yeah we can call that musical artistry 
but almost every principle, every philosophical idea about it, every musical idea, artistic idea can be extrapolated outward into day-to-day -day life. And so to me, what, what I've tried to do for myself is to, is to create a life where there's this seamless integration of the artistic mind and the theological mind completely integrated with daily life and vice versa, right? Daily life is moving into my art all the time. And, and this whole artistry theological part is moving into daily life. And so that they just become like this. And, and that's what you talked about earlier is like getting rid of, rid of that sacred secular divide and the idea that it's either, it really is all gods or it's not. And if it is all gods, then, then what we do as we mature as human beings is to incorporate all of it and appreciation for all of it into the whole of life. Andy, in closing, if um, I'm just hypothetically going to think of a hypothetical person, I don't have someone in mind, but let's say a divorced woman has got a couple kids at home um, because of the stress and anxiety, she's actually, her health isn't that good. Um, so not only in the day-to-day, -day, but struggling in the financial day-to-day, -day, relationship struggle, the day-to-day -day with kids and trying to get them to be the best they can be. All in the background, there's a little bit of guilt that she's not doing a God calling in her life or mm. not being able to involved in a church or a ministry. Um, but she'll get to it one day. But all of that is a daily, almost overwhelming, for sure, like, is this worth it and why? What do you want your book to say to that person? Oh, I want her to know that she is beloved and that she is, uh, she is, so loved by God and and he just I think he's just waiting for us to say please help me in everything um I pray about absolutely everything um nothing you know the, from the smallest things to the biggest things to um just every kind of help that I need and but I think that it is it is such beautiful news to know that God is with us in the life that we have, not the life that we may someday have, or um, it only looks a certain way, or it's only happening if we're in a church or in something that has a specific name that is ministry that Ministry is all of life for all of us. We're in Christ. Our ministry is our everyday life, whatever that looks like. So I think that there's a great, great need for an understanding um, that ordinary life, whatever that is for us, it matters so much. That is the life that we are living in Christ in that moment in that week, in that year, with those children, with those struggles. 
and he is with us in those things. Um, yeah, it, it, it all matters. Uh, there, there is no, there's no place in our life that, that God is not with us. God does not see that, that is not, he is not sovereign over, um, and not close to us and not, uh, leading us as our good shepherd. And I, I think those reminders, they're really helpful to me. And I hope those would be good reminders. Calvin among the outlaws, he said, come follow me. People from all walks of life since have been becoming outlaws.